In the name of Jesus. How can our hearts be at rest in a restless world? Some have called this time the age of anxiety. Maybe we could call it the reign of restlessness. Many of us have these questions that pop up in our lives. These questions that increase our blood pressure and heartbeat. These thoughts that race through our minds and get us pacing around in our homes, you know, putting calluses on our feet. Questions like, and thoughts like, well, will I get the job? Or will I lose out in a dead heat? Will my life ever be complete? Will the nations ever stop that war drum beat? How in the world will, will I ever make ends meet? What's really the point when, you know, it seems like the movers and shakers are running the show, you know, the rich and the elite? With that laundry list of problems at the personal and the local and the national levels, is Jesus really sitting on the king's seat? There are all these you know, varying degrees of worriness, worrywartness, on Main Street and Ruth Street and every street. Now we take matters into our own hands, trying to turn these you know, sour lemons into something sweet. Sadly, it's a recipe. It's a recipe for restlessness and oodles and oodles of ingratitude if we really think that our work will get us rest and quietude. Now I know it's in the water here in the U.S. of A. That our busyness will achieve restfulness. Oh yeah, it's a, it's a restless world, so you, you, you got to help yourself. Roll up your sleeves, get your hands dirty. you got to work for your rest. And, and you know, we... We have, we have thought this. I mean, I, I know I have. I've certainly thought this. You know, we get, we get really busy trying to earn our rest. We put in the time so that we get the time off. We go to our nine-to-five job, and, you know, we look forward to that reward called the weekend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we run the kids here, there, everywhere. We do the errands. We do the chores, we pay the bills, and we do all of that with this carrot dangling in front of us, a carrot with the words family vacation on it. But when we get to Sunday night, when we get home from a Canadian trip, a Caribbean cruise, a Wisconsin Dells family vacation. Let's be honest, are we really resting? Are we feeling relaxed and restored? Hmm? How many of us, you know, wake up on, on Monday morning thinking, oh, I'm ready for another weekend? 
How many of us get home from the vacation and, and you know, we're thinking, I need a vacation from the vacation. I know I've been there. Dear friends, no matter the, uh, the striving and the stressing and the straining and the storming, we, we can't really achieve restfulness. It's not possible. Now, now we, can, now we, can, we, can, we can collect all we want. We can career all we want. We can contribute all we want. We can consume all we want. We can, we can complain all we want. And we are still going to W-A-N-T want. It's not enough. We just you know, spread ourselves thin. We just get pulled in more and more directions, feeling like silly putty ready to snap. We just, you know, tossing more irons, you know, into that fire. We have a very difficult time just saying no. <laughs> we don't want to disappoint people, so we keep saying yes and yes and yes. Now, the answer is not actually more vacation. Although, you know, I always take more vacation from you people, okay? <laughs> it's a joke. Although, hey, I do like vacation. But, but the answer really isn't vacation. More of it. Or more weekends. That is not the answer because here's the issue. We have put the cart before the horse. We have made work first and rest second. And this really sets us up, dear friends. It sets us up for a life of ingratitude. Because we are setting ourselves up to be disappointed. To fall and fail and flail. To get overworked and overwhelmed. Why? Well, we are actually doing violence to our humanity. We are actually living against the grain. We are putting ourselves outside of God's rhythm and God's flow, which, which you know very well from the first chapters of the B-I-B-L-E, the Bible. That's the book for me. That's the book for you. It's the book for us. There was evening and there was morning the first day. And the second day and the third day and the fourth day and the fifth day and the sixth day. It does not mention the seventh day. There's some theological reasons there, which I have no time to go into right now. <laughs> you really want to get home, I think, by 9 o'clock. I don't blame you. There was evening and morning. Evening. Rest. Morning, work. We, we try to earn our rest with our work when it's work that actually came after rest. The order is important. See, see rest isn't like some reward for our work. By our Lord putting rest first, before we can even lift a finger, He's making it crystal clear that rest is a G-I-F-T gift. Gratis, grace, free. A gift. It's a gift for you and for me. Now, here, today. So, let's choose. Let's choose a better way. Instead of, you know, this restlessness and ingratitude. Because today, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And with the Lord 
shepherd, we know that he will supply all that we need. He will meet all our needs and more. Especially that need for rest, which is a biggie promise here in Psalm 23, okay? Psalm 23, verses 1 and 2. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He leads me beside still waters. Even if you look at your uh, Lutheran study Bible, there's a footnote. And look at the footnote, Psalm 23. He leads me beside waters of rest. That's a better translation. That's getting at the heart of Psalm 23, this God who wants to give us rest. Waters of rest. What a joy to know that this shepherd who is so, so good tenderly invites Lammy you. Lil Lammy you. Lil Lammy me. Lil Lammy's us. He invites us to stop and be still. To stop and be still. You know, to put our feet up, to take a breather, to get some rest and relaxation with Him. Doing nothing, you know, just delighting in Him and delighting in His creation. Now, this is so un-American, isn't it? You know, if we went to a friend of ours and said, you know, in my Google Calendar, I have, you know, a chunk of time devoted to doing nothing. Just being with my, my good shepherd. That friend would probably look at you, and, and that friend would look at me and say, wow, that's pretty useless. So inefficient, not productive. But that time of rest, dear friends, that time of rest is the heart of Christianity. It's the heart of Christianity. And we are so easily forgetful about this rest. We, you know, even with the commandment, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, is the only commandment with the word remember because I guess we are pretty forgetful about this rest. <laughs> See, rest is a gift. A gift that slowly but surely opens our eyes to everything as a gift so that we enjoy the shepherd's giving and employ grateful lamb living. Now, if we want to, to say that, you know, work is first and foremost, that is like the end all be all. We're going to be like Atlas, okay? You know that character, Atlas, with the world on our backs. Oh, I'm going to have to see my chiropractor now. <laughs> We're going to think that the world's on our, on our backs, on our shoulders, saying things like, it's all on me. You know, my, my worth, it's all on me. My value, it's all on me. My popularity, it's all on me. My family and friends, it's all on me. My future, it's all on me. My life, it's all on me. Now, we Lutherans, we're really big on this, you know, living by grace alone. Now, now we, can, we can talk that doctrine, and we can really emphasize it, but I think it's important for us to, at times, you know, take a step back and do, do some self-examination. You know, Aaron, am I actually living a life that tells the world that I really do live by grace alone? Or is the message I'm sending to people, it's not really grace, it's grit. It's not really dependency, it's doing. 
It's, it's not really trust. It's about toil. It's, it's not really about rest at all. It's all about the rat race. If that's where we are, <laughs> we stop. Time out. We stop and we say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Say that with me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. No wanting because of the Lord's working. No wanting because of the Lord's working. He's the one who supplies all that we lack. He's the one who satisfies all of our needs. Everything a gift. Everything a gift. What, 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 what gratitude just, you know, bubbles up from within. Talk about grateful lamb living. In this kind of living, this grateful lamb living, you know, we're not, we're, not, we're not the lead dog. We're not leading the pack. We're not at the front. You know who's leading us? The good shepherd. He is leading us all on our personal journeys. He's the one who is leading you and leading me from beginning to end, from start to finish. Nothing is a waste. Everything belongs. He's using everything, absolutely everything, to transform us, to grow us, to nurture us into the little lambies that, that he foresaw before the beginning of the world. As Psalm 23, 3 says, He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He restores my soul. I know we hear that and, and we, we think of the, the body and soul, but in Hebrew, the soul is the whole person. It's, it, it's all of you, Greg. It's, it, it's all of you, Barb. <laughs> it's all of me, Aaron. That's what that soul means. It's, it's all of you. What makes you you? What makes me me? Okay? Can't you see, see? <laughs> and uh, when we take five minutes to rest and just be with our shepherd, we are making quite the confession to this world. We are saying, I really do live by grace. It's not about my works. I can't, I can't save myself. I can't, but you, Good Shepherd Jesus, can. See, see, we can't fix our lives. As a pastor, I can't fix anyone. You as a Christian can't fix anyone. We can't fix anyone, but he can and he will. And that takes a load off my shoulders, a load off your shoulders. It really does. It should. And we have, you know, we have a lot of bumps and bruises. You know, we, we could spend some time just, you know, giving a litany of those. And a lot of those bumps and bruises will take an entire lifetime to be healed. And that's okay. That is okay. Because our shepherd has readied a road for you and for me. A road to restoration, a road to redemption, a road to resurrection. This shepherd has paved a path for you and for me, a path to paradise, a path to perfection. We will one day be perfect as God 
this good shepherd, is perfect. We will. I'll let you make that up, Steve. And these roads and these paths that our shepherd has, has readied and paved for us, he himself has already walked. He himself has already experienced everything that we have experienced, what we are experiencing now, and what we will experience in the future. He's done it all ahead of us. And so we know it's right. We know our personal road, our personal path that we're on is good, even though our eyes may say otherwise. We are not just going to survive. We will thrive because this shepherd lives. He has walked this road ahead of us. He has taken this path ahead of us. And he lives, and so will we. We will live. What a reputation that this shepherd has. There are no dead ends with this good shepherd. And he's going to maintain that, that reputation. He's not, he's not going to solely his name when it comes to having no dead ends. Which means you and I, we have no dead ends. Even when it comes to death. Even death is no dead end. You, you heard David, the king of Israel, say in verse 4, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death... I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. Now, what a preposition, through. That is one of the most beautiful words here in this text. Through! There's light at the end of the tunnel. Your story isn't finished, neither is mine. We're going to make it. Everything is going to be okay. After all, it's the shadow of death. Shadow! <laughs> Have you ever dwelt on that word for a moment? Shadow. Death is temporary, fleeting. Can't last. I mean, how can it last? Because, well, this is the shepherd who's so good that he laid down his life into that Good Friday death. And then he took up his life with an Easter morning resurrection breath. And so what comfort we get with his presence. His presence as we stop and we rest with him in his supper, as we stop and we rest with him in those times of Sabbath rest. Let's rest. Let's rest in the shepherd's giving at his table and at those times of Sabbath when we are able so that this 24-7 gratitude is no fable, but is so, so possible. When we come to the rail, what, what I want us all to think, to stop and say, is the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. After all, Psalm 23 comes alive at the supper. These words especially... Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. We are his honored guests here. Has nothing to do with, you know, earning it, deserving it, meriting it. Has nothing to do with our work. 
Because we're always going to have unfinished work. There's always going to be more to do. Do you know that all of us will die with unfinished business? And that's okay. That is okay. There's always more to do. More emails to send, more rooms to tidy up, more dishes to clean, more projects to complete, more, more time in the office to give. And so we come forward to this supper. And what we do is we stop and we embrace our limits. We're creatures. God is God. We are not. He is the one that holds the world in his hands. We don't. And we get to remember this every time we take that cup, that cup in the Lord's Supper into our hands. When we do that, we are staring at a cup that runneth over. Running over with salvation. And if this shepherd, if he has taken care of the biggie salvation stuff, won't he take care of the smaller everyday stuff as well? Every time his blood touches my lips, every time my heart is recalibrated and reoriented, my heart is turned once again to this one who will supply all that I lack. And so I can trust him. And you can too. This is what resting at his supper teaches us. And we also get to rest with him in those times of Sabbath. Now, I want us here at uh, Grace to start small, okay? I, I'm not really talking about like a whole day of Sabbath rest. I mean, if that's where you're at, great. I, I'm just talking about baby steps here. Just a little bit of time in the morning and evening. Like, you know, you know five or ten minutes in the morning. Five or ten minutes in the evening. Where we can just, you know... Close our eyes, where we can just take some deep breaths, where we can say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Where we can just stop and, and hang out and be with our shepherd where we can stop and collapse into his loving embrace, his arms of mercy, where we can stop and trust that our lives are indeed resting in those nail-scarred hands, his grip don't slip, where we can just stop and thank him for everything. All is a gift. All belongs. And this gives our heart such rest in a restless world. After all, there's only goodness ahead of us. There's only goodness behind us. We are surrounded by goodness. Have you ever caught that at the end of Psalm 23? That is what King David, the picture he paints for us. We are surrounded by goodness. Not badness, okay, like CBS News and MSNBC and Fox wants to tell you. We are surrounded by goodness, dear friends. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And with goodness ahead of us and goodness behind us, that means there's goodness right here 
and right now? Can you see the goodness in your life? This may mean that you have to stop and spend a little time with your good shepherd. And that's okay. Because the work, that can wait. Come soon, Lord Jesus. Amen.